Hi, friends. Thanks for taking the time this week to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer, And this week, we will get all set with Deacon Rick Wagner for Holy Trinity Sunday. Jeff's going to take us through a quick run of the readings, and then we're going to talk with Deacon Rick about relationships. Oh, yeah. Then, as always, stick around for some dumb questions, and this week we've got some dumb Deacon questions. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast so that you can know when the new episodes come out. And then if you love our show, please do leave us a review. All right, let's get all set. Now it's time to get all set for Sunday with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited for today. I am as well. As we get all set for the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, we welcome Deacon Rick Wagner from St. Pius Parish in Indianapolis, and he also serves as the Vice President of Mission and Ministry at Bishop Chittard High School and is the Director of Deacon Formation Programs at St. Meinrad in Southern Indiana. And last but not least, he's also a husband and father, which is a unique uh, turn of events to some of the other guests that we've had. So thank you for joining us today, Deacon Rick. Absolutely. I'm uh, happy to be here with you. Now, Jeff, have you met Deacon Rick before? Uh, my my life has been intertwined by formerly Rick Wagner and now Deacon Rick Wagner for a long time. So I first met Deacon Rick when he was coaching me in freshman football at Bishop Chittard High School. And uh, I have known you listed off all those jobs that Deacon Rick has now. But I don't know that if I that I've ever known anyone who has had a more diverse gathering of jobs over the time I've known them. But um, it makes him a pretty fascinating guy. So Deacon Rick, we're excited to have you here. We're really okay. glad that you're willing to join us. Yeah, so well, thanks for the invite. All right, well, let's dig into the readings for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Jeff is going to give us a quick recap of the first reading, the psalm, and the second reading, and then he's going to read the gospel. Take it away. All right, uh, Trinity Sunday. Always, It's an exciting one, really bringing things together from the Easter octave and helping explain some things a little bit more clearly for us. So in the first reading, we go back to the Old Testament. We haven't been there in a while in our first reading. We go back to the Old Testament with Exodus chapter 34. Uh, this is Moses heading up to Mount Sinai. He takes the tablets with him and the Lord appears to him and Moses begs that he will receive him, that he will guide him and, and guide the people. Uh, our responsorial psalm this week is glory and praise forever, short and sweet. And it actually comes from Daniel chapter three, not the Psalms as normal or as we often see, but from the book of Daniel. And then our second reading is second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians is laying out for us how we're, how we need to live. It's, it's giving some basic instructions. That's, that's what the letters are about, but telling the people to encourage each other and agree with each other and be peaceful together. And if you do that, the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy spirit will be with all of you. A phrase that we active Catholics recognize very much. So not always able to put exactly where we know it, but we know it for sure. And then our gospel reading this week uh, comes from John chapter three, verses 16 to 18. And 
don't stop me if you've heard this one, because I think everyone's heard this one, uh, but my favorite by far. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Excellent. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, we don't always get the opportunity to hear deacons speak. And a lot of times, uh, some parishes might not even have a deacon serving in their parish. But I always get excited to, to hear when deacons preach because, you know, as a, as a father and a husband, and many times deacons are in, in that role as well. So we, we have a connection in that way. But what do you plan on preaching about this weekend, deacon? Well, it's interesting because this is one of the uh... One of those feast days that uh, sometimes you can you can preach on the feast itself or on the the concept itself, where you can just take just take the Trinity uh, and and run with it. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all you have to do is explain yeah. the Trinity to people. Yeah, Perfect, yeah. So, no problem. So we'll good luck. You, with all the, all the we'll get you a three. That do that. We'll get you a shamrock, and you can just show everybody how it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I think though that. Um, because we have that option, you can maybe you can speak a little bit more uh, in general terms uh, when it comes to putting something together for the the homily. Uh, the two things that I, I will be zeroing in on are are one relationships, uh, and there's nothing more trinitarian uh, than to talk about relationships. And all three of the readings uh, talk about some sort of a relationship. Uh, in, in Exodus, we have God and His people. God talking to his people through Moses. In 2 Corinthians, we have actually relationships between one another. You know, mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another. Uh, so kind of relationships with one another. And then in the, in the uh, Corinthians reading, we have Paul um, including the words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, there's our Trinity. There, that's where we uh, get to focus um, on the Trinity. And then we slip into John, where it's a relationship between uh, Father and Son, and again, the God, God back to us. So I'll be focused on, first of all, relationships. And second of all, I think these readings speak very beautifully about how much we are loved. Um, and I don't know about you, but there's very few things that, that people uh, like hearing more than um, – you know that they're that they're loved, and and we get a real sense of that um, through uh, through through the the Gospel of John, and and we can only imagine how much how deep that love is that God loves us so much that He would give up His Son that He would sacrifice His Son uh, for us. So uh, so relationships and just a, a real focus on how much we are loved by our God. I couldn't have understated it or overstated it enough that I, this truly is Scott a couple weeks ago on the podcast talked about a passage from Matthew, his favorite, his favorite Bible verse, which in the working in the Catholic world is often a nice icebreaker that people throw out is, you know, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I've all John three sixteen has always been my favorite verse. Um, and I, and I think a lot of times I say it and people are like, Oh, cause they think it's a cop out. Cause that's like the one verse everybody can just roll off their tongue. But I genuinely, like you talked about Deacon Rick, like the feeling of love I get 
energized. I get excited when I read this passage, when I hear it, when I say the words out loud that God so loved the world um, and feeling that love and how it fills us. So I'm I'm excited to hear uh, more from you about it. Well, what's interesting, too, is that we get a that that feeling of how much we are loved is then continued. You know, God loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son. Jesus loved us so much that when it was time for him to go, he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit is with us. So uh, that's a lot of love being directed uh, toward us. God sending his son, the son sending the Holy Spirit so that we are never alone and without his presence. Yeah, it's a it's amazing how much you can love something that you create. And it's interesting in this first line of this gospel, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son and God created the 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 world in, in its entirety. And I think to myself, we're, we were just talking the other day about um, the possibility of I. I'm a small business owner and we we created a, a product in and of itself. Um, but I've found that I work much better when I am w- at the place of the product that I created. And I can't really explain what that is in, in its entirety. But in a sense, like that has become you know, the thing that I've become passionate about because it's been the thing I've created. And I feel the same way about my, my son that my wife and I and God co-created. I've never loved something so quickly, you know, meeting after meeting my son for the first time, you fall, fall so deeply in love with that human being that you just met. And God so loved us because I believe because he created us, like you can't not love something that you create. Absolutely. And, and, you know, what's interesting and, and now you're a young, you guys are young dads, but uh, what's interesting is that that, that doesn't have an expiration date. Uh, my kids are all grown and out of the house and, and so forth. And you think, well, I've done my job. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I still, you know, when I look at pictures of my, uh, of my kids when they were little kids, I, I still see them the same way. So that, that never is. That, that connection and that love and that willingness to drop anything uh, that we're doing to, to race to them if they need us. Uh, so you're right. That's, that's a love that is... Uh, pure and never goes away. Now, I I lobbed it to myself a little bit on that one because I also, you know, one part of this gospel that I I struggle with is, you know, God so loved the world, but then he, and I think of myself as, as a father, I could never let my son be harmed in any way. And that's, you know, God loved us so much that he gave his only son who in turn was then crucified. And I, I have a hard time in my mind rationalizing that. Where do, where do you take that? Well, I think for me, it would be not focusing so much on that act, but the sacrifice that's behind it. Uh, I, I, I love the world. I love my people so much that I would be willing to sacrifice anything for them. So rather than get too caught up in the, the, the act of the crucifixion, more to the sentiment of the uh, of the sacrifice and what it took, uh, because what we what he basically is describing to us is something we can't even imagine. So that that's where we're supposed to go with that. It's a it's a love that's so deep we can't even imagine it. So there's the example of sending his son and the sacrifice. No, it's beautiful. I think I, I'm intrigued to hear you talk. You talked about relationships. 
I mean, obviously we're talking about this relationship and this love that God has for us and how he shows us that. But then you talked about, you know, tying it into relationships. And obviously you've talked about your children here. How many children do you have, Deacon Rick? I, I have four children. And, and how many uh, grand, how many grandkids? Eight, eight grandchildren. Eight grandkids and counting? Uh, well, not counting yet, but I'm, I, I think there may be, I think there may be more in there in the future. God willing, right? Yeah, God willing. Right. So can you talk to us a little bit about those, those like how you tie those relationships into these, this message from the readings this week? I think, you know, if you ask, well, why is this important to young families? I think it's a real reminder of how, um, how intimate of a connection, uh, God wants with us and how intimate our and personal our faith is. Um, so I think to tie it to relationships just makes a lot of sense. Uh, God, our faith, our church all want this intimacy with us. They want this really deep personal connection with us. And so God kind of sets the stage for that. Jesus sets the stage for that by being completely sacrificial and re- reminding us that that is uh, when we do God's will uh, and we truly act for others, that's what we are doing as well. That's how we are supposed to love. We are supposed to be um, that sacrificial. Now, I don't know about you. You guys are probably better, far better than I am, but I fail at that daily. Um, and But it, but it's that's that's the that's the beauty of our faith is that we're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be working toward it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Far, far from perfect. That's, that's for sure. Very, very far. Well, for I me, think not that, Scott. Sorry. Yeah. It's interesting, it's interesting because one of the things I have true, I feel like I've truly gotten out of my formation in, in, in my preparation when, uh, before I was ordained. One of the things that truly came through for me information was stop beating yourself up you know your 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 goal is to get more christian more holy more prayerful every day uh you're not supposed to wake up you know you're, we're not paul we're not knocked off our horse and the next day we're different we're ours is much more gradual and i think that the intimacy and the love that god is, is sharing with us there there's a compassion to that where he understands that we are we are not him right but we're supposed to be striving to be uh, the best version of ourselves uh, in our representation of him here on earth now this this particular gospel also um is you sometimes in 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 Protestant denominations as, as saying once saved, always saved, right? Am I getting that right? What's the Catholic response to that? To the once saved, always saved. Yeah. Because like in this gospel, it says whoever believes in him will not be condemned. Right. I think, I think that we have to look at, um, I think we have to look at our faith and we speak of it this way very often. Our look at our faith as a journey and to say that, I am saved because I'm on the right path, I don't think fits in well with, with our understanding of mercy and sinfulness and the fact that we, that we mess up. Um, so I think, the, what, I think we're, when we say that we are saved, we are saved if we understand when we have veered off the path and we take the proper steps to get, to get uh, into a right relationship with God once again. So I think for... 
for the Catholic faith, for us, I think it's much more geared toward uh, the understanding of God's um, of God's uh, unrelenting mercy that He knows that we are um, that we are striving to get where we need to be. But I think we have to look at the full journey and look at the fact that we do have compassion and mercy on our side. Unrelenting mercy is such a beautiful phrase because of what it represents and what it means. And the, the, the idea of this just nonstop, constant pressure of mercy towards us. And we just have to be, we have to be open to it and, and ask for it and seek it. And I think that's beautiful. It speaks to what you were talking about before of, I am a person, a Catholic who struggles mightily with beating myself up. And just not feeling worthy and not feeling up to the task and that I'm letting my family down or my kids or my wife or, or my friends and or the, the people I minister to because I'm not living to the standard that I have in my brain. But I think that unrelenting mercy is what causes me to stop and breathe and say, but I need to just take that next step, that next step forward. And, and that's that's why in, in answers uh... – in answer to, to Scott's question about being saved, uh, I, it depends on what our definition of saved is. You know, once once baptized, always baptized. Once ordained, always ordained. However, we can't say that once we've been forgiven, we are no longer sinful, because we are we are human beings who who have that propensity or or to you know to sin again. Uh, but the important thing is recognizing that we are saved when we continue on that path and seek forgiveness. I love it. We've asked you some rather serious questions thus far in, in the in the show, but would it be okay if we asked you some dumb questions? Sure. I, I assume those are coming from Jeff. Yes, mostly. <laughs> now it's time for dumb questions. But I mean, if we're being honest here, Pretty much all of Scott and Jeff's questions are dumb. All right, dumb questions for this week. I have dumb questions and I have dumb deacon questions because I'm excited to have, not that you're a dumb deacon, but dumb questions oh, okay. about deacons. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to have our first deacon on. So uh, let's start with dumb deacon questions. First off, being that you got, you're not assigned to preach every weekend, how like when you find out what weekends you're preaching, I I imagine like a kid on Christmas morning, like running, running to the USCCB website and looking at what you're going to be preaching about in, in the readings and everything is, is that what it's actually like or no? Uh, actually, actually, that's not too far from the truth. Uh, <laughs> I, I usually, uh, uh, I usually preach about every three weeks or so. Uh, more often right now, just because we're, we're just in a really different situation. But um, and I, I will uh, I, it's it's a a week long process and I'll I'll read it and pray over it. And then I'll start taking notes and then I'll I'll zero in on one or two, usually two or three topics and then try to fine tune it. I like to have something on paper by by Thursday so I can, you know, start taking things out and then time it up and so forth. But uh, I get pretty excited about preaching if that's if that's what you're asking. <laughs> Absolutely. I imagine the weekends of you sitting there reading the gospel and you're not preaching and thinking, man, I had a real good one for this. <laughs> yeah. Like just kind of having to sit back and be like, I, I, I would have been way better than that. Yeah, I hope father doesn't mess this up because <laughs> man, I would have killed it. All right. <laughs> um, 
Second question, dumb deacon question. While obviously not a hundred percent required, the number of mustaches amongst deac among deacons seems to be just staggeringly high. Is that a part of the formation program at Minerid, or does it just speak to like increased testosterone in deacons? It, it you know it is not. I think it coincides with uh, most of us lose our hair also, and <laughs> and it, it, we just feel better about having hair somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's always been uh, something I find really funny that mustaches, like deacons with mustaches, just seems to be, you know, peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. Um, but no, no, it's not a requirement, though. All right. All right. Now I have other dumb questions. Um, just regular ones. Here's a dumb question. The responsorial psalm. Each week you're preaching on the readings. Do you ever preach on the response? Is that allowed to happen? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, it it is scripture, so you are certainly allowed to, and I have. I, I maybe have maybe done it twice in the eight years that I've been, uh, uh, I've been a, de- a deacon. But yes, it's it's uh, it is allowed, and uh, because it is scripture, and certainly we can preach from all scripture being offered. It, I don't know that I ever remember hearing a homily on a response, but it doesn't surprise me that you have because I know you're a very creative person. So, um, well, you know, it's, I'll, I'll take actually take it even a step further, or maybe a, a dumb question, even a dumber question. But um, there are, I'll at times uh, call um, our music director and ask what songs she is using because sometimes I'll actually pull in the songs that she used using if they come from scripture uh, and not some other, some other uh, source. But uh, so, yeah, I'll even pull in some of the liturgical music. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what a way to keep people engaged in the whole of the mass there. That's great. Yeah. I especially like to be able to say something about songs they haven't heard yet. Later on, you'll hear this, and this is this ties to the readings in this way. Or don't even tell them they're going to hear it; just allude to it, and then when it plays, they're like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's magic!" All right, uh, next dumb question. Being, I know you have a history in athletics. You were athletic director uh, at a high at a Catholic high school here in Indianapolis for a long time, and obviously you coached um, some of the best athletes that I've ever known, including myself. So. Um, <laughs> John 316, I always associate with athletics. I think of more recently like Tim Tebow with John 316 written on his uh, his eye black. Or specifically, do you remember the rainbow wig guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I do too. I, and th- for those who don't know, there I remember a time in the – probably in the 80s and yeah, 90s where this guy would show up at sporting events all over the world, major sporting events. He wore a giant rainbow wig, and he always had a sign or on his T-shirt. It would say John 316 or it would say Jesus loves. And I remember being a kid, seeing that, and then going and looking up John 316. And I was thinking about, I always think about that with this passage, but I was thinking about it today and then having this moment where I was like, man, it worked. Like (laughs) what that guy was trying to do worked. So, oh. Actually, it's kind of interesting because the, uh, I actually, one time when I preached on this gospel, I actually used that guy as the, as the premise of the, of the homily uh, in that. Uh, I could I couldn't personally be John three sixteen guy. I couldn't personally be the rainbow wig guy, uh, but we need him. We need we need that kind of guy out there uh, spreading that that gospel message. Well, I'm mostly just glad that you remember him, so I don't feel like I was making this up in my head because there was well, always a chance that I rem- <laughs> that that was happening. 
Yeah, I'm surprised you do. You're you're too young to remember that. You're so youthful. Oh, you've called me young twice now, Deacon Rick. I'm so flattered. <laughs> okay, so Deacon Rick, I have I also have a dumb question. What is it like to baptize your own grandchildren? Um, you know, I can't really. I don't know that I can put into um, that into words. It has been, it's, I've been able to do it four times and it is, uh, it's overwhelming. There are certain times, you know, I, and I, that's a real, one of the real beauties of being a deacon is that I witnessed one of my daughter's weddings. I've baptized for their, the grandkids. I've given my first communion to my oldest grandchild. Um, It is a really, really, really special um, that I can't, um, I can't even put into words. It's just a really beautiful connection uh, to those kids and, and to our uh, shared faith. Jeff, any other? I mean, my brain's always full of dumb questions, but I'm, I'm done for this week. <laughs> all right. All right. So you're all set? I'm all set for Sunday. Thanks for listening to All Set for Sunday. We hope your children behave during Mass this week.